be Jesus and welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and I hope as I'm coming to you all the Easter eggs are now eaten as are all the other eggs that you're after drinking all the pusk must if that's the kind of thing that you're into and you're heading back to work now after a little break. You might have only had the bank holidays last week. Uh, You might have had the whole week off if you're teaching or that kind of thing. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you're moving into spring now with a new sense of zest in life i'd like to thank all of those of you who got in touch to ask me why there was no podcast last week uh everybody inquiring after my health and my welfare which was the sum total of absolutely nobody lads it's like you didn't even notice that there was no podcast next week but you know what that's grand you had other things to do and now i know that maybe there's not a great necessity for on on an easter monday or a st stephen's day or that kind of thing that uh, you need a podcast because you've things to be doing you have a life to be getting on with here in sweden if you were listening to the global gale podcast which came out on saturday morning by jesus there's an awful lot of people after listening to that you will have heard me saying on that podcast that uh, i had a bit of the old covid as far as i know now i tested right and i tested negative but that's not to say that i did the test right not very clever when it comes to these medical matters boys and girls but i certainly feel like i got the shite bet out of me by that completely and I was really annoyed because, A, it forced me to cancel the two podcasts that were supposed to come out on Easter Saturday and Easter Monday and put them out a week later instead. But also, behind the scenes, secretly, I've been building up the fitness lads because, as you will well know, or certainly some of you as will well know, the Gaelic football season is about to get underway down in Malmo on Saturday the 22nd of April. And uh, much and all as like uh, the demise of Oscar Wilde is greatly exaggerated, right? So is my retirement from Gaelic football. And I signed up when the email went around in January or February there from Porig at the Stockholm Gales going, okay, who wants to come down? Who They send around these doodle polls, right? And these Google forms, that kind of thing. And I filled it in saying, yeah, shut Jesus, go on. I'll stick on the boots. But, you know, I didn't want to be going making a show myself any more than what I normally would. So I'd been getting the fitness up and everything. And sure wasn't I flying all together and ready to go and ready to don uh, the black and amber again and answer the call if Paddy needs me at all. And then I got a belt of the old COVID and sure, at my age now, fitness is very much what they call a fashkvara in Swedish and it goes out of date very, very quickly. So we'll see now, we're six days away from this now and I'm not feeling too bad, still a little bit tired and what have you, but... um. It would have been lovely to be going down to Malmo and being able to kick a ball properly and at least run about uh, after it a little bit more. But uh, yeah, sure, look, if we go down, we'll try it out. But the most important thing is not me kicking a ball. It's not the winning or losing. It's the fact that we're getting cracking again on the 22nd of April. It's down at Limhamsfeltet down below in Malmo. So if you're anywhere around there, if you're down in Smålander, if you're in Lund, or if you're anywhere in the surrounding areas, please do come down, uh, support the Gale, support Malmo GAA. Uh, I think the, the lads from Yavl are travelling down as well. There's a new team from Hilure in Denmark who are coming across the bridge for the first time. Copenhagen are going to be taking place. A little bit disappointed to see that there's only two ladies teams down there. There's only going to be Malmo and Copenhagen. I haven't had a whole lot to do with the, the Stockholm Gales ladies this year. It usually just comes down to numbers that they can't get enough people to travel and it is being the 22nd of april it's three days before people get paid and that kind of thing which is a little bit of a shame because you know the more girls you get out there the more people get playing the game the better it is and we'll have to look at uh, you know as clubs in general around the nordic region how we can better support that because for the last few years you'll have three clubs or two and a half clubs are in it and we really need to put more resources into getting that but the first step in doing that is is to get the interest up so if you're around at all uh, drop over if you're in copenhagen if you're in gothenburg and fancy getting the train down if that's possible uh, come down and watch it for the day. I'll be getting the train down on Friday night and arriving on Saturday morning. 
uh, myself and Haidar Haidari, some of the older lads will remember that he played in goal for us uh, a few years ago in Oslo when we played over there and did a fine job in goal as we won the tournament there and he played in Copenhagen outfield, got a bit injured there a few years ago, I think it was just before the pandemic, so it must have been 2019, so he's going to be making a comeback as well, so there'll be a bit of crack and a lot of members, old and new, lads who played last year and new fellas coming in as well, so we're really looking forward to it and it's always brilliant just to get down to Malmo and to bump into Connor and Kevin and, and all the boys down there and Limhansfeld is a brilliant place to play Gaelic football because it's one of those places where all the foreign sports are basically dumped out there right so there'll be a cricket game going on and there'll be maybe Aussie rules going on and a rugby match going on and all sorts of things and it's it's nice because they're sort of our people this expatriate gang this immigrant gang from various different English-speaking countries maybe uh, all gathering in one place and kicking a ball and having a bit of crack and as I say a few new teams going as well so get down there as well and usually there's like you know the odd food truck or there's an old uh, hamburger thing banging around or whatever and at this opportune moment the rabbit that lives in our kitchen has decided to go drinking out of his bottle so if you hear a clicking in the background that's what he's doing because I'm doing this in the Sunday evening for you I can't get to my little studio on account of being ill and what have you uh, so just a couple of bits of housekeeping as I said this week's guest now you'll be hearing from him in a few minutes is Billy Cheney from Dublin and Billy I met Billy for the first time last year on a Gaelic football pitch in Copenhagen again I'd agreed to go down at the last minute and said yeah no I'll do that and myself and my daughter Saoirse we flew down she was playing with the ladies team that day and we arrived in Copenhagen airport and we were just jumping on the train and uh, heading off towards you know I think you have to get a train and then a bus down in Copenhagen to get to where they play down there you know and the next thing I get a, a call from Damo who was coaching the team going are you in your way because we had so few players that they were looking for me to start the first game and I was going ah here lads at my age you know so uh, it was good crack but that, the first morning that I ran over there we actually got a taxi down from I think the local tube station or whatever and I jumped out and we were running across the pitch and still trying to put your shirt on and trying to put your your boots on and this kind of crack you know and that was when I met Billy Cheney from Dublin from Kulak in Dublin for the first time and at that stage Billy had moved over here and was working as a barber and I met him again recently at uh, one of the St. Patrick's Day events here in Stockholm and he was telling me he's sort of half left the barbering business and just gone into art full time and it's all sorts of art it's street art it's paintings it's all sorts of things and he's a fascinating character and I'm actually hoping that he's be, he's going to be pulling on his boots uh, next week as well so now that he has a little bit more time and that kind of thing he'll be able to play a little bit more football than what he was able to do last year a very good hurler as well you know but before we do that there's one or two little bits of housekeeping one is that the water boys famous uh, fantastic scottish singer named mike scott uh, of course famous for making the fisherman's blues album and room to roam albums down below in spittle and galway they're on tour in the nordic region this week right so the 21st that's on thursday stockholm philadelphia should kind of think it is on the 22nd urbro in uh, conventum in urbro that's on the on the saturday when we'll be playing gaelic football down in malmo so if you're not making it down there that's on the 22nd conventum uh let me see the 23rd gothenburg Trea gordon and the 24th slagatuset in malmo so there's a few dates for your calendar there with the water boys in Sweden and Mike is a fascinating character brilliant musician fantastic poet great writer of, of songs and words and that kind of thing and an all-around brilliant guy altogether uh, who really took Irish music to his heart and did great things in terms of bringing it to a wider audience because the water boys become a huge band with an album called this is the sea and then all of a sudden when he went and he embraced Irish music down in Spittle and they basically turned the house down there into a recording studio made those records and they worked with all sorts of 
Irish language composers and and uh, Steve Wickham the fiddle player was brought in it's like it was a huge thing in the late 80s and early 90s and really led to a revival of, of Irish music and a sort of a blending of, of sort of pop music or rock music and, and Irish traditional music and instruments as well so really well worth uh, getting down they're going to see if I can get down to Philadelphia shoot can there to see them on Thursday night before we go to, or sorry Friday night it would be in Stockholm uh, before they play down in uh, Ulebron the Saturday Gothenburg Sunday and then Tregon, oh, sorry Slack 2 in Malmo on the 24th and the other thing I wanted to tell you about is on the 23rd here in Stockholm, right, in Scalpnex Epair, if Limhans felt that is the sort of the centre for immigrant sport down below there in Malmo, well then Scarpnex Epair is its equivalent up here in Stockholm. That's where all the Aussie rules teams and the cricket teams and the rugby teams get together and they're all fighting for space out there. And there's an artificial rugby pitch there by the road. And on that pitch, Stockholm Exiles are going to be having an open day for kids or teenagers, young people, call them what you will, from the ages of six to 18 right it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning goes on until half past 11 i saw it on the facebook page of carl stein uh, the owner and operator of tushed beverages who you would have heard on this podcast both on the st patrick's day podcast but if you go back through the archives there's also uh, a more recent interview with him where he goes in depth about opening the company and that kind of thing and carl's very involved there with a man called alan mabon now alan is from Scotland, fantastic bloke altogether, has been hugely helpful to the Stockholm Gales in terms of getting facilities booked and that kind of thing. He has helped us uh, getting that rugby pitch, he's helped us, you know, booking tournaments and that because rugby is an officially recognised sport in Sweden, which Gaelic football isn't. And that it just by booking through the rugby clubs, it makes it much easier for us to get pitches and to get venues that are suitable for what it is that we're doing. And Alan helped us get a container out there where we could keep our stuff, which unfortunately was broken into at one point. But it's great to have people like that in our sort of extended community community who are willing to help us in that way and he rang me the other day to tell me about this I'd actually already seen it on Carl's Facebook page and he rang me to tell me about it and we were just talking about that because it'd be in a couple three four five times a year I'll talk to Alan and we're always talking about the importance of sport and in particular the importance of sport for our young people and for getting people together and for bringing people in you know and the great thing about the the Stockholm Exiles boys and girls is it's a very welcoming club right it doesn't matter who you are where you're from what religion you are what country you're from what any sort of sexual or gender preferences or anything else like that none of that matters right just go down and get involved and play and enjoy it right and i would encourage absolutely everybody not just on the junior side for the 16 6 to 18 year olds is who this is for right but they have touch rugby they have all sorts of stuff going on down there so get down there bring your kids down there if you don't have any kids you know borrow one somewhere or just go down there yourself and say look i'm interested in knowing more about this um, rugby has a little bit of a bigger footprint at the moment than what Gaelic games do so there's more games to be had in it as well so it's definitely worth getting down there and as I say it's the kind of place where everybody can feel welcome everybody you know doesn't matter if you have two moms or two dads or whatever everybody who goes down there is made to feel welcome nobody's going to be sort of talking behind their hand about anybody else or that very inclusive and they're very used to dealing with absolute novices and complete beginners as well so you know even if you think it's not something for you go down and find out for yourself whether it is or not and I guarantee you like Gaelic football or like Camogie with Michelle Cotter it's going to be something that is for you indeed right before we get to Billy, we shall talk a little bit. This is a community-supported podcast. Um, 
it goes out on the Arrowman and Stockholm feed, which is where I've had all my podcasts for the last few years. Um, as I mentioned, this week on the Global Gale podcast, I had a fantastic conversation with the Irish journalist from Derry, Aoife Grace Moore, about the Good Friday Agreement and Joe Biden's visit to Ireland and all that kind of thing. And it wasn't the kind of conversation you'd expect, right? Because an awful lot of people were going around banging the drum and going, oh, you know, he said mayo for Sam and everything was brilliant, right? And I kind of had a feeling when I was talking to Aoife that uh, she wasn't going to say the same thing and she didn't, right? So, you know, there are things that she's critical of, you know, not negative about, but critical of and we went through an awful lot of that over the course of about an hour so it's well worth your listening to and all of that is supported by a patreon page patreon.com forward slash error man in stockholm and i noticed that lads especially when i was sick right that uh, i work for myself i'm a freelance journalist and things like that help me immensely if you can throw a five a month five euros a month in there it helps me breathe out despite the covid right i can breathe an awful lot easier when i know that there's people supporting this podcast and i can paid for the time that i spend doing it right it's not a huge sum of money right it's not even it's barely the price of a cup of coffee and the smallest biscuit you can find in espresso house right so if you can contribute that every month there's at least eight podcasts every month right at least four Irish and sweden podcasts at least four global gale podcasts every every month you're going to get that right now if that's not what would that be that's jesus that's only about six crowns a podcast something like that something ridiculous like that so please if you haven't done so before consider doing that and if you can't that's fine because they'll always be free as i mentioned before i didn't have a whole lot of money when i first moved to sweden and i'm not going to put up a paywall whereby people can't take where people can't be part of this community and can't get the information and the interviews and that kind of thing that are put out here right it's free for everybody but if you can do it please do so if you can't do me a favor and share it right a load of people Aoife knows and people that would be aware and fans of her work and that kind of thing share the podcast and that just brings in new listeners and it might bring in new people new sponsors who are prepared uh, to pay or pay, prepared to contribute in some way and that helps immensely in terms of keeping this thing going right so if you can't pay that's absolutely grand but do me a favor share it on linkedin right where all the rich people are or share it on facebook yeah or share it on twitter or instagram or on your instagram story for you young people or even tiktok which i believe is a thing now you know share it there and do me a favor and the more people because you know as i've always said occasionally like I'll go down to Balmer next week and I'll be talking away to somebody I'll be standing there with a microphone in my hand interviewing people for next week's podcast and somebody will go oh I didn't know there was a podcast for the Irish in Sweden and I will have tears of blood running down my cheeks after all the work that I put into this right so if you can do that I would very much appreciate it right enough of the waffling here we go with Billy Cheney on everything from being a barber to art to everything in between he came by the studio the other day and it was just a fantastic conversation that I really enjoyed and sure here it is get going anyway billy cheney welcome to the irish and sweden podcast studio it's fucking magnificent to have you here happy to Um, be here yeah it's it's great because uh, it's one of those things we met there over st patrick's day right and one thing was that we haven't seen each other since the end of of the football season but let's let's wind the tape back just a little bit for last summer i think the first time we met was uh, down in copenhagen when we were playing football How, how did you come to be in sweden Oh, it's a difficult question. D- to be excited. I start thinking back, why did I do it, you know? Um, <laughs> it, it's like a question I struggle with, actually, when people ask me, because it was kind of, uh, it was a mix-up between three places. And I knew just after the pandemic, like, I had to get out of Ireland. Yeah. Like, uh, Ireland being in the longest lockdown of all European countries was... Didn't suit uh, you. Didn't suit me. Can't be locked down like that all the time, you know? can't go about five kilometers from your house yeah so i remember seeing sweden on rte 
people outside in a cafe still enjoying life. Like, yeah, that's that's that seems like a bit of me there. You I know? like the look of that. You know, I'll, I'll go there. But um, the main thing that drew me here was house prices compared to Ireland. There, you know, easier to cope with mm. as well. I was a barber before I moved here. Mm. Um, here I used to work in high end places back home around Temple Barry, that'd be kind of like yeah. the centre of Barbara in Ireland at the moment. And then when you move here, even the, the same prices as the low-cut haircuts, you know? Yeah. The low-standard, low-skilled haircuts. And you start to think, like, oh, what am I, what am I working for here, you know? Yeah. So, like, I went into a place over here, uh, like, the average price for a haircut's about 750 kroner, you know? About 70 euro at this stage, you know? Yeah. How does that compare with, with uh, Temple Bar? Like most of these high end places, you get a wash, you get the, you know, you get, they give you a whole wash if you want it, you know, for yeah. about 30 euro, you know. Yeah. And over here, that 700 haircut, I wouldn't even have to touch you with a, a sink, you know. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, like, standard difference. You, you just go in there, blaze away with the machine, yeah, and, and just, that's it. Like, who yeah. cares? Like, I'm just here to go here, you know? Yeah. Get my, get my money in and yeah. go home, you know? And th- what, did you have any connection to Sweden, other than just wanting to get the hell out of a lockdown and go to somewhere where maybe at some point in his life a chap might be able to afford an apartment or a house? Like, did you just sort of rock up here and go, right, let's go? Basically, yeah, you know? Like, um... <laughs> Like, a lot of my philosophy about living is just throwing yourself more into the unknown than the unknown. As I said, it was like I had a few places to pick from. Yeah. One was Lisbon, which I've already, I did like a week of work in. And like a lad that I used to work in a barbershop moved over there and opened one. So yeah. went over there. It's a nice place. Very cheap all around. So you, you could live comfortably. But um, I don't know. I don't think I could ho- cope with the heat so much in Portugal, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're a little bit white for that, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, fuck. I'd be sweating every day. Where was the other spot that you were planning? Yeah, on? Amsterdam, funny enough. I've yeah. been there a lot. Really like the culture. There's a good barber culture there as well. Mm. And as well, mixed in with art as well. It was very interesting. Like, Amsterdam's one of my favorite places to go to different galleries, stuff like that, you know? Mm. Experience the art. It's a, nice, it's a nice city to experience. But it, because I like experiencing the city, I didn't want to then have to go live in it and potentially find a reason to ruin it for me, you know? There, there is that thing, like, you know, being somewhere, visiting somewhere is a completely different experience from living there, you know? And that's the thing that I find that, like, certain places, like I say, to do, and even just spending a considerable length of time there, you know, working there for a month, three months, six months, and then all of a sudden you find the little things that, that sort of get under your skin. You oh, know? for sure, definitely. <laughs> you don't have to, I can name them all from living here now, and only only here about a year now. Yeah. Like, what, what was it like when you arrived over here first? Did you know anybody? Did you reach out to anybody in the Irish community? Or the, the, the only person I, funny enough, knew was just my old boss in a barber shop back home in Temple Bar. His brother owns a catering company here. Yeah, and it was just a coincidence that I happened to know one single person. But like, they came over here. They just I met up with them once or twice. They seen if I was getting on all right. I was like, yeah, doing all right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting along, like, but didn't really uh, interact with them that much. Mm. It wasn't until, like, in terms of Irish community, that didn't come around until I was working in a barber shop and um, a customer of a different barber was Irish. Yeah. And he suggested the Gales to me. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, fuck, maybe I'll get... Because I, I used to play ball back home. I used to play more hurling than ball. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, fuck, I need to talk to more people because it's not a very social like city in a sense Stockholm yeah. you know 
that cold fuckers here, you know. Well, it it takes an awful lot of getting used to, you know. Yeah. And I was only I was reminded I was talking to a girl in Finland. Um, Garadine was last week on the Global Gale podcast, and we were talking about being in Finland, and it was all that old joke about during the pandemic, you know, and telling the Finns that they had to stay two meters apart, and they were staying why so close, you know. Yeah. And the same thing then in Sweden that it's. It strikes me that once you get here and that kind of thing, the sort of sociable thing that we would do, going for a drink after work, going for a drink after training, mm. some of those things don't exist no. in the same way here. Did you find that difficult in the beginning? Like Because we as Irish people grow into that then as well. And we go, mm. oh, you know what, maybe I'm not going to go to the pub. Yeah, maybe yeah, I'm not yeah. going to do something there, you know? Well, did you know, in, in part for that, like something I learned moving out of Ireland was the whole thing around the Irish exit. Yeah. And I was like, what the... I've never heard of this. I like I leave parties fairly normal, like you yeah. Know? But it's like um, you start to see even your, the Swedish influence of being like, oh, do you know what? If I don't want to go, I won't go. I won't bother. But sometimes when you don't want to go out to these situations, those end up being the best yeah. times to meet people and stuff like that. So I think being up for the chance to go out a lot or do these things, be sociable off the spur of the moment. Mm doesn't translate because they're happy to not do that anyway, like. <laughs> yeah. or we could just fucking stay at home yeah i'll just i like sitting at home i bought my house to sit in it you know <laughs> exactly um was, a, ho- was a home or something simpson that said what's the point in going out we're just gonna wind up back here anyway. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly but that's a part of it as well you know yeah you know like it's uh it's funny when you like more of the people that i've made friends with here are non-Swedish yeah. than Swedish because it seems to be maybe like an only a Swedish kind of cultural thing mm. to be happy to not do stuff or not plan anything or it's of a tighter knit social yeah, group exactly. that you don't it's really like, let in too many people from outside the, the way I like to explain it, it's like a real corporate lifestyle of you got to schedule in when I go out you know yeah yeah run it by my secretary you know yeah exactly <laughs> I was looking at that as well there was a guy called Ronan Brown also in Finland but they have the thing in Sweden as well where some people will put an ad in the in the local paper saying I'm not celebrating my birthday. <laughs> do not show up with presents expecting me to make a coffee because I'm not fucking doing it. Like, you know? And for Irish people, I think that that's one of those things that the social aspect of things changes immensely. And yeah. um, when you came over here and you started barbering, other than the price of things, the fact that, okay, now you're getting twice as much money for half as much work kind of thing. Mm. How did you find that? Because it's one of those weird jobs that it doesn't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of legal protection, right? So <laughs> y- you go in and somebody says, okay, that's your seat there, Billy. You go and you bring in your clients. I'll tell Take X of a percentage, and that kind of—is that how it works? Did you feel in any way secure in that business when you were working in it? Oh, the 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 legal the legal legality surrounding barbering has been basically the bane of my existence, really. <laughs> has it? Yeah. Oh, stop! Even back in Ireland, I brought a barbershop I worked to uh, to court over. Did you to the labour court? Yeah, yeah. Stinging me out of holiday pay and wow, like it's like back home. Well, coming over here was getting used to the whole contract around things. Yeah. Because it's more like that back home where you are. But, like, I like, I kind of like it like that. Too. You can set terms a bit more your way. But I think that can't translate here as much because it's cashless society, really. Yeah, you yeah. know, you don't have that sort of, like, we can handle it like a black market situation. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be, like, we, we'll still do all the, the legal things that we have to do that so no one gets fucked here, you Yeah, know? yeah. So you get to you pay the PRSI and the social yeah, insurance. Yeah, exactly, and the exactly, exactly. And, exactly. and yeah. then we'll pay you as well, you know. Yeah. But coming here, I mean, I mean, I've had just... The bane of the existence within barbering as well is barbers, or not, people who aren't barbers opening up barbershops. Yes. So coming at it with an outside perspective of making money, when... As a barber, you really are not making a lot of money. 
you're doing it because you're doing it for the enjoyment of people talking to people the enjoyment of cutting hair like i still enjoy cutting hair even though i don't do it as much as he says i still do house calls here and there more freelance you know yeah. that lets me put my price a bit more you know i put a bit of a fancier edge to it um but a lot of people try to get in for the profit and that's where you get bad haircuts these like um certain salons are just conveyor belts yeah. for haircuts you know you, I, like i've worked in places like that myself down talbot street you know you have junkies coming in day and night looking for mm. haircuts e- everybody gets the same haircut everybody it's basically like joining haircut, the army yeah. if you look. <laughs> i've got it i've got a, a a cookie cutter hair put your head through that you <laughs> <Yes>. know <laughs> yeah exactly. I don't like you know but um like yeah it's it, the legal system it, like the contract is what you need here and mm. When it comes to certain protections, it's hard because, like, there was a certain clause I was stuck within here that abs- made absolutely no sense. I wasn't allowed to cut hair in the Normam or Southernmam area. Okay. After six months after leaving the shop, so so those two postcodes, if you like, were just ruled out completely. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. allowed legally. I was banned from the city to yeah. work, which. I mean, can you do that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you. I'm not. I haven't got a big ver- like um. You don't have a solicitor or a legal yeah, team yeah, behind you. Yeah, I don't have a legal team behind yeah. you. I'm just me, you know. But these these non-competitive things, because it's very much a personality-based industry at that mm. end, right? So people go to Billy because they want Billy to cut their exactly, hair. Yeah. Right? They want your creativity and they want your sort of personal touch and that kind of thing. And then your sort of, you know, 40, 50, 60 customers who come into every week, if they go with you, that's a considerable portion of somebody else's business that's just fucked off out the door. Exactly, you know? exactly. So you will get those non-competitive things. I have a contract with somebody and I remember when I signed it, it's just writing, you know, press releases and articles for a company. But if, like, I do that through another company, you know, mm. so there's all sorts of people who have their, basically have their yeah, hand exactly. in my pocket doing yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. It's the way it works. But there is a non-competitive clause there as well that if I was to leave this particular consultant company then I wouldn't be able to work for the people who I ultimately write for yeah, yeah, for yeah, another yeah, six yeah. months you know so that does happen like but again let's back it up even for mm. why did you get into barbering what was it is it in your family is it something that you looked at went it, it, it's that's a, like another thing with the like come to Sweden like I just throw shit the wall and see what sticks you know <laughs> that's I just do it you know like um originally I wanted to because this is how it'll end up coming to me being an artist. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go to art college or do photography in college. I had a photography job at one stage. But coming up around my junior cert, I happened to cut my own hair. Um, it just happened? just happened. I was, go- I was going out for my junior night out and I was like, fuck, I need a haircut. Uh, oh, I couldn't get down to the barbers now. Six o'clock on a Friday evening. No chance of me getting in the door. There's, I've seen my dad's beard trimmer somewhere. Ah, we'll have a crack at it. See, see what happens, you know? How did that turn out? I didn't think it looked too bad. <laughs> I had to use... I didn't have a mirror in my room and I was too scarlet to go down to my man and be like, I've, I'm going to cut my hair in the bathroom mirror. So I was like, right, I'll just use my computer, take pictures at the back of my head, feel up and see... Like I just had a two back and sides at the time, so I was like, yeah, this can't be too hurt. Yeah. 
it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was. Not, <laughs> not the kind of thing you pay 750 crowds for. No, good cheese. I've come a long way since then. But, you know, even bad haircuts nowadays have a certain look to them, no? Some people like a bad haircut these days. And that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't be too perfect. You can't be that can't something, be, you know. You know? You a lot of people a go for that. shaggy to it, you know? That's it. A lot of people go for that very sort of sharp look at that kind of thing. It doesn't suit an elf like me. But was that where it started? You yeah, go that's it. And then from there, like, a few, la- a few lads, once my brother fixed it up, a few lads were like, Jeez, Billy, where'd you get your haircut? Yeah. And I started down there here, and then over time I was down here because after school, and then at some point I can't remember. I think it was my ma who, yeah, it was my ma who suggested it. I think uh, sent you into a barber in school. You might as well get good skills at it, like. Yeah. And I thought because I noticed a lot more people had confidence in me at the start, yeah. and that had dwindled. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm getting worse now. Was it? Was that now? And I mean this in, in the nicest possible way, Bill. Was that like you got sort of found out? You start trying to do things that you don't really understand how oh, this works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. You know, it's a, a certain part of it is fake until you make it, you know. Yeah. Like uh, there's a guy I work with now, uh, an artist, a graffiti artist. That's his <laughs> That's his whole uh, mantra, you know, fake just, until you make just it. Just go. Like, just go with it. Like, yeah. And like, but in a way you have to be found out. Mm. Because that's the only way you're going to push yourself harder, you know? Mm. And in, in a way, like, you kind of, you get a bit of imposter syndrome a lot because of it. Yeah. But the thing is to keep, like, the, it, with Barber now, I wouldn't have any imposter syndrome. I am, I you're can cut hair, I can do haircut, yeah. you know? If you want a haircut, I'll give it to you, you know? Yeah. Um, but now as I move into earth and stuff like that, that's where I get imposter syndrome. You're there painting on a... Fucking eight story building in the middle of Stirrplan and doing a realistic portrait and like haven't painted in years. And you're like, fuck, geez, now I have to actually do it. Like, <laughs> Literally, everybody in Stockholm is <laughs> yeah. going to see this at some point. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, fuck me. Like, what have I got myself into here? How important was the creative aspect? Because sometimes I find with creative people that they're creative not just in one way, but mm. in a lot of ways. Oh, like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, they like cooking and they like mm. cutting hair and they like you know, uh, dressing themselves and, and, you know, design their own outfits. That's the funny thing as well. With Barber, not a lot of people think about the creative element. Yeah. You know, like, a haircut's functional for people, you know? Yeah. Uh, a haircut, like, for me now, you're like, you look at me now, I have a bun done up, like, I have long hair, I don't care about my hair anymore. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, I've done a lot of creative haircuts. My mate, Nicky, um, who I, I fucking love the most, because yeah. they've given me the, the freest range on their hair they're they're a, a hairdresser as well yeah they did all their own colors but we've done haircuts where it looks like slime dripping down their hair where i've done detailed in a design push shine into the hair and then did like a fade under it and then did some like mad design on the other side yeah i've done like have you ever seen the versace um the oh, i can't remember what the, the geometric design yeah 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 did that around the sides of people's heads and stuff flares on the side and stuff cool so yeah, like it, it, the the creative element was still there. Like that's you could kind of see I was eager to still draw, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the funny thing is I don't even like doing those as much. Like yeah. I respect them and I enjoy doing them when I do them. But my favorite haircuts are the slick backs, the like early nineteen forties haircuts. You know, like are they? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I grew up in. I I, I worked in a shop called uh, the Waldorf, which yeah. was on uh, Westmoreland Street in Dublin. And I trained under a guy called the Godfather of Barbaran, yeah. modern day Barbaran. He trained these guys who have a shop in not Amsterdam, um, Rotterdam, yeah, um, called Scorum. 
which is scumbags in Dutch. <laughs> and they're literally, they, they're the coolest motherfuckers out there, dressed in suits, slick as haircuts, tattooed all over. You can drink whiskey in the shop. But they, they got a lot of their ideas from the Waldorf. Yeah. And the Waldorf got a lot of its ideas from, obviously, the Waldorf Hotel in New York. Yeah, yeah. Waldorf Astoria. But that was way back in the 1920s. And mm. um, they brought that haircut culture over to Dublin. And yeah. that's what started off the kind of barbering scene in, in Ireland. Did, did that sort of have something to do with uh, the whole sort of Conor McGregor sharp suit, trimmed beard, haircut kind of thing? Was that part of the same thing or were they two separate cultures? Those were definitely two separate... But complementary sort of complimentary. things. Complementary. They're, they're like, if you could imagine the the sun and the earth, the way they spin through earth yeah. or spin through orbit, you know? They, yeah. they cross paths at certain points and stuff like that, you know? Like, um, it's the same kind of culture of the Peaky Blinders. Everyone asks me about the Peaky, Peaky yeah. Blinder haircut, stuff like that. But there's always been that subculture around rockabillies and, you know, people who were into music. They're all, people who were into music are into the look, you know, yeah, into yeah. The, the haircut, the, the clothes they wear. The, the, like, that was a, uh, that kind of other culture mixes in well with, especially through the Waldorf. I cut a lot of uh, people who work in burlesque clubs, yeah. uh, who are in rockabilly bands, or you're doing these really old fashioned haircuts. Like, uh, it. Uh, I think people who are into their hair don't think as much about people like Conor McGregor. Like, he changes his hair a lot. But when it comes to suits and stuff, I mean, when you look at different places, suits have always been there. Yeah. You know? In one way or the other. One way or the other, you know? Um, I wouldn't say McGregor's inspired it too much. Yeah, he just sort of, you know, was part of the band. Well, again, it's just, it's a timeless thing. It's always happened. Exactly, you know? know? One thing I remember learning in in the... in the school that I actually learned in, which was on Fleet Street in Temple Bar, um, Green Rooster, it's a carol shop now. Oh, jeez. Isn't everything? <laughs> Isn't fucking everything, you know? The like of leading Tesco's at this stage. <laughs> but um, there was, I, I remember being shown one of the Bibles of Barbara. Yeah. There were these old books from the 1920s, but it showed every haircut's on a cycle. Yeah. Every trend is on a cycle. That's why a big thing in barbering is kind of tradition over trend. Yeah. You know, like, um, because it will come back around. That's why I still like doing these old-fashioned haircuts, because I know I'll always get to do them. Yeah. And I have people who are loyal to me for that, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, in that Waldorf, people would fly over from America, fly from Europe Jesus. in to get a haircut. Like, that's why I've been able to meet so many people, through and get the experience. I think that's what also what led to me moving out of the country, was meeting so many people who've done so much yeah. through one profession. It's like, well, fuck, I've got to... I've got to see some of this world. Like, yeah, yeah. I've got to see what these people are talking about, you know? Yeah. What's out there, you know? I was only thinking about that. Like, Morrissey from the Smiths had this very classic... Uh, he actually released a song called Suede Head, which was like, you know, a particular kind of thing that was going on. Yeah, there was a band yeah. called Guernica in Dublin when I was growing up. I was about 14 or 15. And this band came along and they were all very much in that sort of style. That's a rockabilly, yeah, borrowed yeah, yeah. rockabilly style. And Jesus, the first time you see them, you think these are the coolest fellas I've ever seen in my life. Like you know, and they continue to be that because, like you said, they were faithful to that uh, that aesthetic. That, exactly. That like they, that's they, exactly. they still look like that. Those yeah, lines, yeah, you know? yeah. The, it, when it comes in as a trend, a lot of people can't quite capture mm. the fullness of that look. That people who embody like like them. Um, 
Sorry, what were they called again? Yeah, Guernica was the name the of the Guernica band. Guernica yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could be younger. All these bands are foreign to me. Yeah, oh, just <laughs> 40 years ago now, I'd say, you know. But, but when they were, you know, very much the 501s, this kind of thing. They had yes, the, exactly, the shoes, yeah. like, uh, what they, they call them, brothel creeper shoes. And this oh, kind of yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were very much into that. But in terms of that, we started talking about creativity there, and we got back into the haircuts very quickly. Um, have you always painted, drawn, created? Yeah, that's the funny thing, like, um, like, my earliest memories are drawn and stuff like that. I remember in school, one thing I think back to, one of the earliest things I wanted to do was comic illustrations. Yeah. I thought they were the, the cool, I thought they were the fucking coolest thing, you know? Which comics were you attracted to? Was it the Marvel comics? Oh, the traditional anything ones? I could get my hands on. Like, I like I liked the strange art styles too, you know, the stuff that isn't, that it, you could tell it's a comic book style, mm. but isn't like, um, there's a good brand called Dark Horse, where they use different kind of stories, not so much superheroes and stuff like that. It's kind of like a mix between manga and comic book styles, you know? Yeah. Um, but I wanted to do that. I remember in, like, primary school, maybe around, like, fifth class, sixth class, I made my own, like, little flick comic, went into school, asked the teacher to photocopy it and, like, yeah. handed all these out to all the other kids, like, people back. You probably know just a bit more of a small-minded attitude when it comes to Ireland, small-town yeah. mentality when in a lot of places. So when you start doing that, you're like, whoa, geez, what's this kid up to? And then they little comic books. like. Yeah, but, but did people actually sort of take the piss out of you? Did they look yeah, down? Yeah, of course. Like, uh, you deal with that a lot, but you get over it. Like, that makes you just do it more. Like, I, I, then I went off doing it on my own time, you know? Yeah. And I probably got, I think I got a lot more better off when you kind of hide away a little bit doing it, you know? Yeah. You do it in your spare time. You sh- like, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Mm. But then when I got to secondary school, that's when I kind of took more of the interest because the teachers don't take interest in you because they you might understand. be studying art or, yeah, exactly, or that kind of thing. Yeah, more into that more sort of creative. They're going to push you into that world where it's like, right, these people who are also doing it, you know? Yeah. You'll mix the knowledge with them and you'll get to experience more influences through them. Yeah. Um, and like, I was grateful for one of my art teachers to really push me and then. I think one of the reasons why I then just gave up on the whole idea was the teacher changed and when it came into the sixth year into the one year I needed them yeah and your was, last formative year yeah there, exactly you know? the one that was really going to kick me out the fucking crib you know yeah now here you go go be an artist you know so I was like fuck now I've got to make sure I bring in money and you know I can live now before I started thinking about art because you, you grow up hearing as well about how hard the struggle is to be an artist you know to starve an artist mm. like um there's a funny thing here um yeah, there's a place called Snossetra between Rogsved and Hogdall and it's like a graffiti park that yeah, I yeah. Uh, help run and help run events out of but we had an event last year called Spring Beast and there's a Chilean artist who was there and he put up on a uh in one of his uh art pieces um I'm not an artist, I'm an asshole without a job. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of hard context around then becoming an artist and being able to, like, maybe should I keep drawing, like, all this drawing I'm doing. Like, I remember I get, asked my mom to get me, like, art sets at Christmas and around the time I'd be great buzz around it. I'd be doing as much painting as I could every time around it. And then at a certain point, you're like, oh, maybe what I'm doing is cringy and this is like, what the fuck am I at? Like, mm. I'm, why don't I just become a barber? Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, get a proper job. Get a proper you know, job, yeah. you know? Like, uh, and then it was funny, like, I started to experience as well, when I tell people I'm a barber, that's all I am, and that's... Yeah. 
like oh well you're just a barber you know yeah you stand there 10 hours a day cutting people's hair exactly like like i like people start to look at you as if you're not into like i like to think about complex things as well like Mm. experience it a lot through the customers as well you know Mm. like i've talked to some interesting people through cutting hair you know i've Mm. talked to rock stars to politicians you know Mm. i've had conversations with these people you know Mm. which a lot of these people who don't experience outside their own worlds get to experience Mm. you know like you have to talk to other people you know yeah. <laughs> it's just, which is kind of a weird thing coming here as well like people aren't so into talking to other people you know yeah um but that like that's a lot of a push as well to do art and to do the creativity because people are interested in creativity once you get outside the being young stuck in this like world of people like everyone has an opinion you know especially in this world yeah the more and more now with the internet like i grew up in the age of the internet like i don't know the world pretty much without it and experiencing like i don't even have that much of a big social presence i'm Mm. more into doing it like haircut not it's word of mouth you know yeah people know me you know like it's uh, not because you have fifty thousand followers no 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 i just know people like like especially going to um portugal uh, I meet people in Amsterdam like over there I've I've mm. been asked to go do haircuts in different parts of Europe stuff like that yeah. I got a job offer in Malta not through my social media presence mm. through people I've had contact with and yeah. talked to and had common interests or even didn't you know mm. I've met them somehow somewhere you know but I think the difference between and you know correct me if I'm wrong here the difference between barbering per se and doing the more sort of creative art mm. that you've moved into at the moment is that you know the barbering is seen as it's kind of something you do it's not something you are right and there was mm. you know, the, uh, one of my daughter's friends her dad found himself working at McDonald's for a while there mm. and some of the other kids were kind of giving them you know giving the other kids stick on oh you know your dad works for McDonald's the fuck is what's what's the matter with that exactly you yeah, know what's the exactly. matter what, there's nothing wrong e- with even, even in school that's what you're co- kind of told like if you don't like i remember back where i like i grew up in kulak and went to chanel and it was a skill that was like right you don't know what to do with your life do business and that was it you're going the in the holy grail the holy business. this is it yeah. you will live life through yeah. this three holidays a year yeah, exactly and, you know, we'll excel sheets and stuff here, here is how you're going to live your life it's going to be scheduled you're going to work like th- like that's mm. why the one thing i said to myself was i could never do corporate like i could never that's not your thing yeah right? i couldn't i just yeah. hearing especially hearing about it through barbering as well cutting so many people in corporate you start to be like fuck me like i could not live in this strange social paradigm that goes through yeah, it, you yeah. know like um like one of the things I respect about Barbara as well is people are people, you know. Yeah. They're not. They have their own interests. They're not too of a facade all the time. Like you yeah, can, it's not one dimensional. Exactly. Ever, people you know? have aspects to them, you know. Yeah. Um, and they don't put a face or anything like that. And especially now coming into the art world, you kind of have to do be a bit corporate. Like that's the part I don't like about this new world that I'm experiencing. Like I kind of have to do a bit of. The money has to come from the somewhere. The money has to come from yeah. somewhere, you know. It's a it's a strange thing. Like um I remember going to that um the the Embassy of Ireland uh hosts that St. Paddy's Day Ball. Yeah. And going to that and that's like kinda one of these events going to and the the echelon of what that kind of is like I could have gone around here and asked for a few patrons for the art now or yeah, yeah. sold a few art pieces because throughout that week I've been painting in Wurstrom's pub there yes. on the wall and talking to people and actually procuring potential commissions and stuff like that you know yeah. and uh, yeah it's strange it's strange to get in because with a haircut 
people come into me. Yeah. People are looking for me already, you know. Are oh, you already up a little bit on a pedestal? You exactly. Know? Well, you when know? you come into that situation, because we actually met at the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden, their St. Patrick's Day lunch is a big event for them every year. Mm. And you and I met there. And there are people, you know, who are running big companies that are, you know, turning over tens of millions of euros exactly, every year. Exactly, exactly. You're there with visible tattoos, right? Which is not really something... I've actually got a funny story about that as well. Uh, Hit me. <laughs> uh, the hoodie I was wearing that day, so I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit out there with... Uh, I'm into the psychedelic revolution at the moment and stuff like uh-huh. that. I'm into promoting it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen um, good feedback for it and stuff like that. Uh, but that day... I have this funny jumper that uh, has key pumps written across it. And I, ju- I didn't realize it at the moment of putting it on in the morning because I was looking for something with green on it. Yes. St. Patrick's Day. Um, I put, yeah, throw this on, sitting there. And then it wasn't until I came home and I was looking in the mirror and it just had key bumps written across it. And I was like, I've just, I've just been talking to a lot of important people with <laughs> drug references right across my chest. <laughs> Tattoos all over me. They probably think... Who let this guy in off the street? Who like? is this bone kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yet the funny thing was that, you know, when I walked into a room, you not only were you at the lunch, there was also sort of a, a meeting on the side there with the ambassador and various other sort of business people there. And you were sitting there holding your own with these people on the same level. Do you find since moving to Sweden that there is, we talk about a sort of a flatter hierarchy. There's obviously a hierarchy in everything you do, but it's actually easier, you know, for those few people who will talk to us that, you know, there's, there's less prestige in that, that like, you know, a manager bet- between the sort of management and the worker level or between the sort of, you know, the, the industrialist and people like myself and yourself who work for ourselves. Definitely, so, yeah. There's less of a gap between us, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think uh, still there's an image perception to it yeah. that people are still not comfortable with. Yeah. Because I still experience, like, it's crazy, like, you start to notice how much people look at you the more you get tattoos and especially now like I have quite visible tattoos yeah yeah like I'm I'm not like I plan to be covered head to toe pretty much you're going all in yeah I'm going all in like uh, I am my own canvas at this stage you know do you like design I, your own tattoos I've, uh, I wouldn't say I've designed my own tattoos but I used to work with a work with a guy um I used to get a lot of tattoos off a guy called Tommy the Truth. I used to work out at Temple Bear. He's a fucking character. If you ever got to talk to a tattoo artist, <laughs> we look him up. That man has stories. Um, but yeah, sometimes I just go because he does flash and he just he just draws it, and that's what I love about some artists. Is right, fuck it. You want this? I draw it. Like and there yeah. it is. And um, like I go into him. Like one I have is like a, I love that pinup girl kind of culture. The the, yeah. the way those are drawn and. Um, I remember I was just like, oh, Tommy, will you draw a pinup girl on like an atomic bomb falling, like yeah. riding it like cowgirl? And he was like, yeah. And he drew like a little shark face. He puts, puts his own touch and stuff to it. Like, yeah. like I've started doing my own tattoos as well. I've, did, I've done a tattoo on all. I've uh, tat- did my first tattoo two weeks ago. You actually inked the thing I've on inked someone. someone. Someone has been damaged by me now. What yeah. mad person allowed you to do that? Okay, let's not name any names. <laughs> but how did that come about? Did somebody just go, okay, Billy? So I, like, I was in Gothenburg on a painting trip with... Um, company that i work for called street corner we do large-scale murals for corporate clients or any clients that we uh talk to um i have to actually go around the embassies and talk to them see if they want some artists or we, we have a art festival going on that we want to bring people over to as well yeah um but we go down to schools and we teach the kids how to do abstract art basically they paint their own school waltz it's a bit of a fun experience so i was down there with a a legendary graffiti artist um, a guy called Joachim Hansen um, have you heard of him? I've heard of him through actually through another Irish person yeah 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 so I worked with him um, 
uh, another young graffiti artist and then me and then um the graffiti the legendary graffiti artist which i won't name names because mm-hmm. it's a world you can't really name names no people get into trouble with you start exactly doing that, you know? exactly um but his wife she's also a tattoo artist and i talked about i've been learning how to tattoo from another guy who's a pretty good uh he's an english guy very good tattoo artist yeah he does realism stuff but a very good artist all around actually um but like yeah i've just been delved deep into the world of just art yeah. and learning it and then we were down in gothenburg and they were kind of pushing it on me like we have the equipment here she's gonna do some tattoos over the weekend mm. i got two i got this tattoo here and got my ear done while i was there as well because why not <laughs> it's there, yeah, <laughs> it's there well. like uh, and then yeah so this guy he's already got one tattoo he's like and he was just like fuck it if you want to tattoo me tattoo me yeah. and i wanted to do a snake because the guy the english guy that i've been learning off lee harris great great tattoo artist he only works on the street actually in a private studio oh cool um i started to realize where i was when i walked by <laughs> um but uh yeah but he yeah he'd been teaching me the basics of like traditional japanese stuff and um, which i fucking love i think snakes yeah. and stuff like that are very cool um but he wanted like something simple and he wanted he was like trying some ideas like a skull stuff like that and i started drawing them and then I got down to, it was like 12 o'clock at night and Joachim Hansen had come in and we were talking about partying and he talked about how ecstasy came through Sweden at one stage and I was saying how ecstasy came through Ireland at the 90s. And then I got into, like I'm into the disco and fucking, I work within events and raves and stuff like that. So I'm into that sort of world as well. Mm. I started doing it like a flash sheet of like school mixed with like party ideas, like, um, Basically, it came down to one drawn of like a disco ball that was like a mace. Oh well, yeah. And then I said disco danger on it. Yeah. With like some like sparkles and stuff like that. Yeah. And he just he came in in the mornings, pointed at that when we were having breakfast, and we went off and came back. We went off to paint the skill, came back, and I just did that drawing out like six times. Yeah. Picked the best one, and then just fucking did the tattoo like. Just created it on the guy like. Just did it like you know. It's, it's incredible because when you think of something that's so permanent, you know, that, that's the point. Like, I've no tattoos and it's always been that thing. It's like, if it was wrong, my poor little frazzled brain wouldn't be able to deal with it. Like, you know, and yeah, it's one yeah, of those yeah. things. I understand that. Like, it's funny working as a barber, people feel that, because I have tattoos as well, people feel that veil of talking to someone tattooed is broken. Yeah. Because a lot of people who don't talk to tattoo or, or well, talk tattooed to tattooed people. people yeah. yeah won't talk to tattooed people like the only time i'd ever be approached is in the pub people come up to me it's a bit weird to me like yeah. coming up and being like your tattoos are little like yeah fucking look sick bro and i'm like oh sound like i don't know how to take it like yeah but, but uh, you know in japan like you know that's it's well this is one of my worries because I, I i want to go to japan like yeah. i want to go experience it and i'd want to go experience the culture now i know because since because obviously tattoo culture is massive there uh yeah. lee was telling me as well um lee harris that there's some you're allowed into yeah because they're slowly getting used to but they're specific yeah you can't go into all of them you know no which is crazy idea like you know like the it really is like, like, you know <laughs> i was over there during the olympics in tokyo and the pandemic was going on so you had the two things there's one was these foreigners with tattoos who were coming in and 
people would literally stop and stare. Like, I'm six feet three inches tall. Like, and people yeah, would stop yeah, and stare yeah. at me. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah, don't yeah. even have tattoos. If you had tattoos that were visible, people would cross the street. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd see this because everybody thinks the Olympics is in the, like, the city centre. It's not. It's spread out around. Yeah, venues, yeah, of course. Know? So you'd see people and you'd see security people looking at, you know, a tattooed cameraman or a tattooed photographer and mm. literally afraid of their lives of them because it's so linked to, to crime. Yeah, and to yeah, 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 exactly. Thing, you know? And like, the, it's a funny thing, like, even now people still think that yeah and like it's funny like i i kind of laugh at that whole thing and like i've like i've had to on my uh on my knee here like this is like i have a bit of plants like this is all irish stuff on this leg i've like on the um, left leg yeah i've like a pool bay terrace on the back with um some irish writing on it but on my knee there's a like a little ira bandito <laughs> and a, 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 above it says gone gone cos which means no face no case yeah and there's uh, just some people who I never see again. I'm like, yeah, this is my gang cat too. Like, just to <laughs> fuck with them. Like these people who are like asking me, really scared to talk to me. I'm like, What's yeah. that about? Like, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Just to fuck with them. Like, There's a guy I know, a guy called Ronnie Sotheby, who I think actually came out and trained at the Stockholm Gales once or twice. And he has split his body in two. And he has a good side and oh, an yeah. evil side. <laughs> so on one side, there's all the good tattoos and all yeah, the loving yeah, stuff yeah, about yeah. his wife and his children. And, that. and the other side is all the bad bits of him smoking cigarettes and, you know, yeah, getting, yeah, getting, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, that's funny. Like, people always ask me about meanings. Like, me, most of all, I have no meaning to any of my tattoos. Do you in a sense. Well, like, the, like I, I do in a way, but I don't as well. Like, say, because I have a half sleeve of barbering tattoos. Yeah. And obviously now I'm not a barber. And a lot of people would be like, well... You know what's all that about? Like, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not a barber, and that that used to be a joke. Kind of everyone made to me every barbershop I work in, like something so visible as a half sleeve up onto my hand as well. Like, yeah, um, like what are you gonna do when you're not a barber? And it was like, oh, to me, I was like, well, I'm always gonna be a barber, and in a sense, that's true. Like, like yeah. I still cut hair. If you want a haircut off me, I will cut your hair. Like, yeah. it's as simple as that. Like. Yeah. We think it's one of those things as well that some people, especially sailors, used to use these things to record places that they'd been or things they'd seen or done or this kind of thing, you know. And it was, whether you like it or not, it was a considerable part of your life. It's what led you to make one of the bigger decisions that you'll make, which is moving here to Stockholm. And the mm. fact that you don't do it anymore. And again, it's it's sort of crossing this boundary between what you do and what you are, you mm. know. And it's very hard. You know, we spend all our lives trying to define ourselves in relation to, okay, am I a father? Am I an Irishman? Am mm. I Swedish at all? Of course, you yeah. Know? So all of those things that you bring with you and, and then choosing to, to sort of embody that on your skin is a whole mm. different thing. Well, the funny thing to that as well is like it, it kind of uh, mantra I live by is time will tell I've got a tattooed across here it was one of my earliest tattoos yeah. it's time will tell because they're like one thing I've always been fascinated is people's pursuit for whatever it is you mm. know whatever they are searching for and often looking at my own life and being like well what am I in the pursuit of what am yeah. I looking for you know like and what, what is it that drives you God fucking knows what, man. I like it. That's the God of the street. Like, I often try to pare it down to happiness is what drives me. Um, like, as, as when I was a lot younger, I used to suffer with depression a lot. Yeah. I used to have, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, you know. I've, yeah. I've done SSRIs for a month and said that was not me. And I was like, fuck that. Like, um, so I think that's what I pair to. Maybe it's the pursuit of happiness. But then I'm like, what's the point in that as well you know like yeah. is is the pursuit of happiness what's gonna make me happy you know this is it it's the weird paradox but, but do you even know what it is that makes you happy 
you know do any of us know what really makes us happy you know yeah like it, it, well, say say now because you've moved into the art world right you're mm. now doing these gigantic murals on these big buildings you're going to schools you're talking to kids you're teaching them things as well you're taking your inner creativity and you're really sharing it on mm. every level with people mm. do you get that thing and i'd imagine it was a similar thing with your cohair as well right mm. it's very fleeting you know, when it's done, Roy Keane used to talk about winning oh, yeah. medals with Manchester United. They go, yeah, you enjoy it for a couple of minutes and then it's it's on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, Do yeah. you get any longer, can you look back over your work as a barber, your work as an artist here in Stockholm and take any pride from that? Or are you always looking forward to the next thing? Well, so it, 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 that's a, a very good question. And it actually reminds me of a conversation I was having in that Gothenburg trip. The, we, me and the graffiti artist had gone to the shop and we were in the van and he's talk about his dreams and stuff like he's 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 in his 40s now yeah um and like he's he's a hyper functional person he's he's in a lot of things get shit done yeah he's getting shit done you know um and he asked me like what my dreams are and like i don't really like a lot of people would find this very like probably strange for me to say but i don't have any dreams in a sense Mm. like what i told him and what i'll tell you is i want to look back um at what I've done and being like, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. You know? I, I'm happy that I've done that. Yeah. And I've enjoyed like say with the haircuts, I'm happy that I've done every every time I look at a haircut, especially like say my housemates, when I cut their hair and I look at it. I I'm looking at it all day. Like I'm looking at yeah, it every yeah. time I look at it for the next week, you know? Yeah. Um I wanna be like even my paintings, my my bedroom I'm just surrounded by by my own paintings. Mm. I walk out of my bedroom, there's another painting, like a six foot painting that I've done myself. Mm. I turn that corner, there's a small mirror I've painted. Mm. I go out, there's another painting I've done. You know, like it, like I wanna be able to have like I wanna be able to look back and be like, I've put something into this world and I'm happy that other people find enjoyment and I'm happy that I've found enjoyment in it as well, you know? When you see those pictures every morning when you wake up, you go out of your room, there's a six-foot painting out there. Mm. Do you feel a sense of these things give you a confirmation? They say, yeah, Billy, you are. Forget the imposter syndrome. You are an artist. You are good at that. Because I do the same thing. This studio we're sitting in now, I surround mm. myself. With, with the history with, of what yeah, you've done. With yeah, with things that yeah, I've yeah, done. Yeah. And that's to remind me when I come in here every day that, yeah, I do fucking belong here. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not... Yeah. A, well, so everybody's going to say I'm a spoofer anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. but there's a certain amount of, of talent and hard work and skill that has gone into doing the things that I've done. And this, it, like, it's great when you have those low moments and you think, oh, fuck. Like right now, I'm trying to get you know, stuff together for the Women's World Cup and you can't get anybody to answer the phone or drive you yeah, 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 And then yeah. you look around, you go, this is cool. Do you have that in the morning? When you get up in the morning, maybe you're not feeling great, and you look at it, you go, yeah, no, I, I can do this again today. I have something else in me. Well, yeah, no, like when I feel like I find that more when say someone's seen something that I've done yeah it reaffirms it for me yeah when I wake up and like because here, here's a, a, fu- a funny one like uh, when I wake up in my bed I face over to the left and right in front of me like I'm into doing like kind of psychedelic surrealism type yeah. artwork and one of them is a, um, it's like a giant eye in like a red ball floating above the sea in between the clouds on like a corkboard background yeah Um. And I wake up and stare at this eye straight, every straight in the eye every morning. <laughs> and I, I, I think to myself, there's more work that could be done with that. Like yeah. when people, like I'm working on a collection now at the moment, which is about a lot of self, sex, self-actualization. self Self-actualization. You got there in the end. That's a Lovely. tough one. Go on. Tough one. It's the accent there, you know, that's working against me. But, uh, and self-realization. 
um like it's a work in progress we're all work in progresses you know like a lot of people especially in this day and age a lot of people my age feel that shit has to be done now they have to have the lifestyle now like i hate the like i used to be in that mad hustle grind say you know yeah yeah like uh, i have a bit of a background in crypto and i used to be fucking hardcore into that yeah i I have a miner i have stuff like that i actually during the lockdown had put plans together and a business plan together to set up a mining um a mining farm in harmonstown uh, of all places, <laughs> of all places, uh, there's a, f- a warehouse gone there. I was going to set up a Bitcoin farm, and then a uh, well, actually not Bitcoin. Do you know? What? I'm not even going to get into that. That's a whole. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Of the world. We have to come back for that, you know. But um, but yeah, like like, it, but that's the other thing about me. I just throw shit at the wall and fucking do yeah. it, you know. But but on that very subject, right? Is anything ever finished? Is a haircut ever finished? Is a, a piece of art? Is a painting? Is a building ever finished? Well. Yes and no. Like uh, you're asking the wrong person. I'm a very like a. I'm not a very philosophical person, but I I think a lot of my mates would take the piss out of me for I I make everything a bit into a philosophical question. You know, yeah, yeah. Is anything ever finished? And in the shorthand, yes, I've learned to finish things. But in the long term, to me, in a philosophical way, nothing's done until I'm dead. You know, yeah. Especially now with art, I'd feel that more with a haircut. It has to be done at a certain stage. You know, mm. you you've ha- you'll have no more hair on your head if I cut so kept cutting your hair. Your own, yeah. You know, I'd have to start me up in the other regions, which I don't want to do. You know, <laughs> um, nobody in the world is going to get to no. Hear Jesus that. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk about price. The right person, you know, if we if we connect, <laughs> we connect on a certain level. I might. But um, like with artwork, like especially with the, the this collection that I'm working on, like, and t- I've said to people once they, once I've got all the paintings to the collection, I then do finishing touches to everything, and then that'll be done. Yeah. Uh, but like realistically, I'll do that, and then I'll still want to do more. You yeah. know, and probably till the day I'll die, I'll want to do more. Yeah. You know. So in the in the shorthand, you have to finish things. Yeah. In the long term, no, I don't think I'm ever finished with things, you know. Yeah. Which is where, like, it, it, say, Joachim Hansen, circle back to him. He still paints. Yeah. He still does these things. On that Cottonberg trip, I've never seen... This man's 70-something years old. Mm. And he's getting up on ladders, painting skills, and then he's going home. And then, oh, he, me and him were up till midnight drawing. He was yeah. on his tablet and I was on a sketch pad. Yeah. Like, the man's 70-something years old and still drawing. Like, yeah. nothing's finished him, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of want to be like that, you know? Yeah. No, that's a, that definitely sounds like something to aim for. You know, it's like, I don't, it doesn't matter why. Just keep going. I just keep know? going, you know? <laughs> Which is why I think I throw shit at the wall because maybe earth isn't a finishing point. I thought it would be a, cer- a certain stage. Yeah. But like, I'm getting into it a bit too quick, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like I still do other things like with other works that I do other companies I work with I do video uh, videography I do photography I do web design yeah well but being a part of an artist you kind of have to have your finger in all these pockets as well you yeah. know well, it's going still a barber thing. yeah it goes back to that thing it's creativity is not just one thing it's exactly. not just one thing that you do it's like you know it's a suite of things that you bring to it and um, you mentioned that uh, was there an art exhibition or a sort of a, a, a festival that you do oh yeah, well did, 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 we've done art exhibition as well um me, Lee, and um, this other art, the graffiti artist, we did this thing called uh, Street Art Market yeah. in Sluison in Terminal Yeah. And it was Europe's largest street art exhibition. Wow. Um, I didn't have as much hand in producing it as uh, Lee 
and Mickey, I did help with more the curation and like um, putting the work together and working at it and stuff like that. Mm. And that's how it led to me then actually going in to work with these people. Yeah. And that was like the first like big thing. But um, so we had an art festival where we invited, I think it was about 60 something artists from all over the world. So yeah. a lot from Chile, South Africa. Um, I'm not sure, I think there was one or two age uh, from the Asian region, mostly Europeans. Yeah. Um, and we just painted a whole park yeah. of well, industrial park basically, and then everyone who painted on those walls and etc. Um, it was also a music festival. There was food truck stuff like that going on. Anyone who came down, there was just it's just culture, street culture, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then anyone who had a who's painted at that then had a spot at Street Art Market to sell their own individual works yeah um how did like, it work out was it successful was it, oh, it was majorly successful like i i had to help especially at street art market i had help more selling stuff mm. i was kind of the guy who stood outside there's, there's a funny thing actually about swedish people and how they interact like if they have someone come at them just in a in a not come at them in an attack but like like hey how are you doing like do you want to do you just like art what is up to like uh, the way an irish person would in a way you know fuck off don't come near me don't yeah, hear yeah. they're not into it but some are kind of lured into it as well they're like oh gee like oh yeah, yeah sure i'll listen to you man let's go where you're yeah. going you know like the irish accent is a very uh desirable thing here i've noticed as well you know yeah it kind of blindsides a lot of people when we start oh talking, yeah they're it? startled you know they, they look at us like are you even i remember the first day <laughs> i moved here. <laughs> yeah it's like what is this gibberish you're speaking and then they're like wait Oh no, it's English. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So like, like it was great success. Like, uh, sold a lot of artwork. Didn't sell any of mine, but sure. Look, look at that's he, coming down the line. Yeah. yeah. He, even the Lee, uh, he, he had a lot of his paintings up, and Lee's a very talented artist. And he didn't like. He was he was the main trying to get everyone around. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of art associations in. It's like trying to spot your buyer stuff like that. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, coordinating yeah. stuff and messing around about exactly. It, yeah. He was able to sell everyone else's art except yeah. for his own, but like a lot of people sold art. It's uh, it was great. Well, we're we're, a- go, we're going to be hopefully doing it again. We need to get the uh, we're getting together for spring beaters. We're organizing it now at the moment. Yeah, I think that happens in May, mm. late May. I think it is. Yeah, well, well, haven't set a date yet, but we're aiming for late May, mm. and then we we'll hopefully go into another street art market more successful. Hopefully, I'll, I I just did a painting on the, like this. This is another thing of how I got back into painting. Lee just asked me, Lee said to me like if you want to do a painting and hang it up on the wall and sell it just do it and then I just did it okay, <laughs> and just, I just hung it up you know but sometimes it is just that simple you know well, that's it you know like especially art I think where I've given myself the, the the one thing that a lot of people don't do these days and a lot of people are scared of is failing you know yeah. you have to fail you learn like if I don't make a mistake, how are you going to learn from it, you know? Yeah, Samuel Beckett never tried, never failed. Exactly. Fail again, know? fail better. You know? Exactly. It, it, like, that's that's what life's about, you know? Yeah. Life in itself is a failure. That we're, we're a product of a mistake somewhere probably in the system. We're probably not supposed to be here. Yeah. The human civilization. So, some of us literally. Yeah, <laughs> some of us, I like, wish we weren't here, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but we're all here, you know? Yeah. So could do it you know did, did you get lured onto the committee of the Stockholm Gales this year as well <laughs> did you I think so you know it was kind of um, no, nobody's actually told you yet you're just voted I remember the year that Carl Stein's wife Maria was voted onto the board just because somebody thought it would be a good idea she never turned up to me nothing like that it oh was, it was the Swedish Irish Society I think yeah it's <laughs> kind of funny like I was just like 
yeah, you should go. You should be a part of the committee. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can't remember who said it to me. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what I have to do. <laughs> I don't know what I like. Like, I, I'm in charge of social operations, and I tried to organize a run, and that happened to no avail because I had to go to Gothenburg. So I kind of all crumbled, and like, I just yeah. at that time I had too many other stuff to kind of correlate in. But um, like, I want to try and take a bit more of a role because uh, the thing with the gales and I think a thing with our problem, one of our problems here is kind of getting the funding and the recognition of the sport here, mm. especially because it's not an Olympic sport. We don't get... There's no pro- grants. There's, there's no, no... Yeah, exactly. Anything, yeah. We're, we're nothing. To, we're like a hobby to them, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah. why would you sponsor a hobby? Um, and like, I think through the social operation, I'd like to try and turn the gales into a bit more of a social aspect like yeah. go into it for the social aspect rather than than the sport like yeah yeah like the sports there and like because un- unknowingly back home that's what that is yeah you know we just don't realize it you're just lured into it you know yeah, yeah. you're le- lured into it for the sense of pride and the sense of fucking getting out there and playing a bit of like i love hurling like i fucking yeah. love getting out playing a bit of fucking ball like represent the parish exactly the fucking you up the parish you yeah. know that's that's what i say at a fucking rave you know you up the fucking <laughs> parish. this is my sport but uh like it like that's what i love about irish people is like you know we'll fucking get out there and do it sometimes you know yeah um especially when it comes to like social things and like and I think it'd be such a nice element to bring to Stockholm, especially because mm. I've like Gothenburg, Malmo. Those people talk to you, but Sweden as a whole, even as well, to bring the whole social aspect to it. Because I think as well, like when I tell people, "Oh yeah, I play an Irish sports team here," mm. they think we're only Irish on the team. Yeah, but we've got f- we've had French people out, we've had German people out. Mm. I think we have English people out. We've we've also played with the uh, the Aussie Rules lads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the same training sessions, you know. It's it's about just meeting these people and enjoying their company and also making connections because especially as I said the one thing I struggled here yeah. coming here with is to talk to someone yeah. who's not like just in a close vicinity yeah. you know to branch out because like it's kind of funny it's like what do you what what do you do when you're a child and you're thrown into school for the first time and you have yeah. to make these new friendships you know yeah you kind of have to treat the world as if you're still a child well we're all still children to say i like to think that you know i like yeah. to think you know 70 year olds are still kids in some sort of way you know mm-hmm. no one's really an adult it's a fake illusion that we all that's you know sport is what we call it when adults play exactly you know yeah. it's when they still play games yeah um but it's also like play games and meet people you know yeah. you play these games to meet people when you're in these when you're in a school as a child you're playing a game to meet kids you know yeah, yeah. you're playing with the doll and it's like can i play with that doll no and then you're like well, i'm not playing with him anymore <laughs> and then then you go over and you play with can i play with your lego yeah let's build something there now you've made a friendship you know yeah like that's how the world is yeah on a bigger scale you know it's finding these things to gather around. The first opportunity of the year will be on the 22nd of April in Limhamsfelt in Malmo. Is Billy going to be down there with the boots on or is he going to be at the side of the pitch barbering? Uh, I might have to do a bit of boat, you know. The referee, we'll see what way he's swinging. You know, he might do with a skin fed and that might sway us a few extra free <laughs> kicks up front, you know. Could do with that. No, I'll be playing on the pitch, hopefully, and uh, I'll be playing up front at the bar later. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the thing as well, like... I want to also show people, you know, come to a bar afterwards, you know, yeah. like 
hang out, get to know people. Get that's to know it. people, you know. Don't you don't have to drink if you don't want to, you know. We're yeah. we're there to enjoy each each other and make connections and yeah, you know, bond. You know, especially I've learned since the pandemic as well. People need to talk more, you know. Yeah, get off the phone. Exactly. Yeah, put it away and just have away, conversations. Just talk to people, you know. Yeah. One last question for you, and I have a feeling you're not going to answer, but I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five, ten, fifteen oh, years? Do you, this question. No, but do you honestly think that you know you'll be still here in Sweden? Because you <laughs> no. seem to me a year later now, right? You seem to me to be much happier now because the art seems to be giving you something, some sense of purpose, some mm. sense of joy, and that kind of thing. It seems to be giving you maybe more money than what you were doing when you were barbering as well. Uh, is this something that you know are you just going to go and throw shit in the wall somewhere else as you put it a couple of times um right so the the answer to it, will i be in sweden in a year time probably yeah um after that no 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 commitments <laughs> no commitments no <laughs> see the thing is i came here with no commitments i have since because since coming here, I've been asked that question more often than, Have I'd, li- you? than I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> because I have no answer. Because <laughs> I have no answer for it. Um, so, a mixture of it, really. Long term, I would like to end up back in Ireland. Yeah. I would like to do something there. I would like to have my mark left more in Ireland, in a sense, that I've been here. Like, if, if you could uh, imagine, you know, the Simpsons, Alberto was here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, El Billy was here. <laughs> Billy the Kid was here, you know. So, uh, my plan coming out of Sweden, I'd like to learn to drive before I leave Sweden. Gone on a street because my man bought me driving lessons for my 18th and I still haven't driven a single car. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel terrible about that. I'm sorry, man, if you listen to this. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all you want to walk out of here with. Together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually want to apologise to me, man, for this whole interview here. But uh, like, I'd like to, I'd like to drive. I'd like to be able to drive. God, on it's true. If I have one girl, I want to drive a camper van. I'm going to go to France and just go east until I end up back in Ireland. Just keep going. Just keep going and just do whatever. Like that was a part of Barbon was yeah. the fact that it's so universal, universal. Like, who doesn't want a haircut? Yeah. You know? You or go anywhere with it. Or something, you know? Someone yeah. wants a haircut, you know? Yeah. And now I started to learn that someone wants earth. <laughs> like, the the funny thing is, the guys that I work with, it's like, people don't know they need earth. People yeah. know they need a haircut. Yeah. So you just got to tell people they need earth, you know? So now I feel like once I get into this, once I get to a comfortable state where I'm like, right, I can go off. Yeah. And do what I want to do, then I'll do it. But like, I might spend another year here. I might spend a year in another country. Yeah. I thought about spending maybe a year in Italy or in uh, in France. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Oh, remains to be seen. Billy, thanks so much for coming down Any and talking times, to me. And the best of luck with the in. season. Yeah, appreciate it. I hope to see you. Everyone oh, you will. Twenty second of April. Lim Hans felt it. Count on it. Perfect. See you then. <laughs> There you go, the wonderful Billy Cheney. You'll have to travel far and wide to meet a freer spirit and a more interesting character than Billy. And I could talk to him all day about art and all sorts of different things. And hopefully I will have that chance down in Limnhamsfeld this coming Saturday. The 22nd, first game is off at 10 o'clock in the morning at the Gaelic football tournament down there. If you're interested in getting involved in Gaelic games at all, right, even if you live somewhere absolutely tiny, right, 
don't rule it out. Swedes will play mad sports, right? They'll get involved if you wanted to get involved. All you need is about, you know, five or six people and the rest will follow, right? So if you're living in Westeros or if you're living in Örebro or if you're living anywhere else like that, now is the time, lads. Let's build this team together. Find the local handball players, talk to Chris O'Reilly, get it in there as a suggestion, bring them down, see if you can do something with them. And we'll try to put together a few teams and get them playing together and sure God only knows what will happen. That's the most Billy Cheney idea that I've had on this podcast for a long time. Listen, I better get this thing uploaded now because as I say, this COVID thing is like hitting yourself across the head with a bat on occasion. So I'm going to be going to bed very soon. Uh, if you have any uh, ideas or anything, if you have any, anything you want to get in touch about or that kind of thing, find me on social media. At Philip Ablana on Instagram is one good way to do it. Um, at Philip O'Connor on Twitter is another good way to do it. But my mentions there tend to be a shit show. So uh, send me a DM there and I'll get to that. Uh, LinkedIn is always a good one as well. So wherever you happen to see this podcast, please do. As I say, and an awful lot of people are listening to this and they're going, ah, oh, sure, you know, what do I know? You know, I'm only a carpenter. I only have 200 friends on Facebook. It doesn't matter, lads, right? Somebody might see it, okay? So if you can do me the favour of sharing it, please do. Because over the next sort of six or seven or eight months or so, I really want to um, to share the shit out of this as much as possible. Pardon my French now. Gary Lavelle will be giving out bangers to me for swearing if he has the young in the car. But I really want to, to make a, a go of this as much as possible and try to make this a viable thing so that I don't have to worry every month and I'm not trying to shoehorn it in at uh, 10 to 9 on a Sunday night as I'm recording the last little bit of it because I didn't have time to do it before now you know so be brilliant but to do that it needs to be big lads and we need to have have the support of people around the world and indeed all over Sweden in the meantime take care of yourselves take care of one another bring the boots to Limham's felt it and I'll talk to you again very very soon indeed good luck Mm -hmm.